Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with the advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And please put unprofessional development in the How Did You Hear About Podgo? That will give us a little finder's fee. Thank you. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of Unprofessional Development. I'm Tedisco. And I'm Neely. And today we, we have with us Sandrine Hope, another Edupodlusa alum, as we refer to them, I believe. She is also an education podcaster, as all our Edupodlusa alum people are. So welcome. How you doing, Sandrine? I am good. Thank you for having me. And what's your birdie's name? She's got a birdie on her shoulder. You can't see it because it's a podcast. What's your birdie's name? Her name is Scarlett. Hey, how's Scarlett doing? Good? She is doing good. You know, she's like, hey, I'm I'm a little bit um, rusty on that whole Zoom thing, so I'm going to hide, as you can <laughs> oh, see. Oh, she's hiding. hiding now. Yeah. But yeah, I know over the last year and a half, you know, that I've been teaching and doing presentations and everything on Zoom, she's been on my shoulder faithfully, tweeting at times. Nice. Yeah. How And how old is she? She is seven. And what kind of birdie is she? All right. You ready for that one? A flamingo, right? Is that a flamingo? <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's a green flamingo with no legs. No. She is a pineapple green cheek conure. Oh, wow. I'm that sounds expensive. <laughs> Not really. Uh, well, it depends where you get them. We bought her from a breeder years oh. ago, went to a bird show and... Sometimes I have my moments, I'm good at negotiating, and so I negotiated a good price for her. Nice, good, good, yeah. I just, your green bird is named Scarlet. Nice. Yeah, well, look at her tail. Oh, oh she does have a green tail, a red tail. And then That's see if okay. I can see her belly. Yes. Hello, Scarlet. Oh, there she is. <laughs> there you does have she, does it. Does she talk so at all or no? She click talks. So oh. when she talks in the sounds, sometimes I'll recognize, you know, she'll say I'm thirsty or thank you. But it's really in the click sound that you kind of okay. recognize more the rhythm than words. Okay. Cool. That's awesome. I, I also have a partner who looks over my shoulder and tweets sometimes. Wow. Nice. <laughs> thank you. That's the truth. <laughs> Is he as colorful? Yes. I'm kind of. Yes. You know, I've never seen his stomach, so I can't tell you. Oh. oh. We can fix that right nope, now. No, no, we're good, Bailey. We're good. <laughs> that shall be for another day. <laughs> so we'll say that for the Edupodlusa pool party. Yes, I could do that. So we always like to give our um, our guests odd prompts to see how they handle them, rather than just giving a, like a um, an easy description of your of your resume or whatever. So this one, I don't know. It's just I, it just came to me, and I figured we'd go with it. So. Describe your journey through education like someone who is looking for their keys. So I don't even know what that means, but but feel free to go with it wherever you wherever it leads you. The funny thing is, I think it actually works. Awesome. Because <laughs> it's like, okay, so I started, I, I'm, I'm native of France. So I started mm -hmm. in France and I was going to go one direction and I'm like, hmm, that's not working. All right, let's try something else. Hmm. Maybe I could be a translator, interpreter. That'd be great. Let's go that way. Huh. I need English. Who knew? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let me go to the U.S. and try to figure it out for one year. Okay. All right. Meet my husband. New direction. Where do I go? Like, exactly like you're looking for your dang keys. Like, which way do Are I go? Are they my translator pants? Yes. No? <laughs> <laughs> well, they were Maybe really I left them in America. Bridge, I think, in <laughs> France, but I don't know. But... <laughs> Yeah. And, and so I was going that direction. We kept moving. And so it was like, okay, new university, new major. Let's see. Eventually had kids. Well, like talk about forgetting where your keys are at that point. It's <laughs> like, okay, education. What's that? Keys. Where do I go? I'm just staying home. Thank you. Uh -huh. And then at that point, went back and figured it out. I was like, Oh, I know. I'm going to be a teacher. Cool. And so, yeah, and I was thinking elementary school, 
I was living in Alabama at the time. I was like, well, and because I was looking at language teaching, it's like, well, language teaching Alabama, that doesn't go together. So what's the next best thing is college. So you went the classic France to Alabama pipeline. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's so many people. Direct one. I mean, completely. Yeah. So many of them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, in New Orleans, they speak French, which is not too far from Alabama. But I, I... Yeah, but I imagine trying to speak French to like like somebody from France trying to speak to someone from New Orleans be like us trying to talk to someone in like the Scottish Highlands. That's true. Like I That's imagine true. it's so thick, like uh, the conversation must be difficult. Well, it depends because I've been in New Orleans and actually when I've been in New Orleans, I've one time and I've gone what, three times? One time I found somebody to speak French with. The rest of the time I never did. No. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. But the first time we went, we went with my parents and we went, I think it was in Lafayette where we went to a park and they had people who spoke French. It was, you're right. It's like the, the Highlanders. It was like very hard to make heads and tails of it. <laughs> I mean, my mom was happy to hear some kind of French, but she was a little bit confused. And I ended up because I knew English and knew French. I was able to translate between everybody and kind of make it work. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 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 Well, I remember, um, I went to New Orleans like many, many moons ago and it wasn't French, but it was like the heavy, Cajun. We just like turned on a radio on a radio station, and they were like, "Oh, did that crawl that there?" Yeah, right. They were they were doing that, and I, we're like, "Oh, I don't know." I, I love the music. Like there was Zydeco music. I love Zydeco music. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. You can't be Zydeco. Um, Zydeco. Yeah, you never heard of Zydeco? N- those are like the old chalky candies that they don't sell anymore. No, no. no. Zyde- Zydeco is. It's like it's a washboard. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's kind of like um uh bluegrass but with like New Orleans flavor. So it's it's all upbeat. A lot of there's like there's banjos, mm-hmm. there's washboards, there's you know, some um some horns. It's 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 a lot of fun. It's a it's fun. new word you know, for me today. Wonderful. Do you know um like uh Don't Mess with My Toot Toot? Do you know that song? <laughs> I'm sorry. What was it? <laughs> Don't mess with my tutu. Look was priceless. <laughs> Don't mess with, with my, my tutu. Toot. Toot. Yeah. No. No. Must oh. have. Uh, you must have missed that one. Sandrine, do you know that song? I think I've heard it. Don't yeah. mess with my tutu. You can have the other woman, but don't mess with my tutu. Oh, that's kind of, that's as best as I can do with it. I don't know. Do we get, make sure we get the song rights to Don't Mess With My Tutu. We don't want those guys suing us. <laughs> I don't know, man. We might want to make our own cover, you know, cut yeah, in on the sweet toot toot money. There have been so many covers of Don't Mess With My Tutu. You'd be, you'd be shocked. It's, it's bigger than you know. I keep having to open Tedisco's eyes to all these, all these musical uh, genres. Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> I also have a story about the French language, but I want to hear about your professorial experiences first okay so i teach french no (laughs) (laughs) the end the end um part of the issue well maybe not issue but if you want to teach at a university you pretty much have to have a phd now Mm -hmm. so you know like teaching i went into it kicking and screaming but i did it Mm mm-hmm so now I can philosophize on any topic and sound <laughs> halfway smart, which is always nice. Um, but yeah, so I taught and I did it at University of Alabama because I was living in Tuscaloosa. So taught there. That's where I, that's been my longest stint really because with my uh, grad degree and then I did a year. Then I did the University of Alabama at Birmingham where I'm back part time right now online with them. Um, Are you teaching okay. French? Why do I? Why did I think that you yeah. taught people how to teach language? Is that right or is that wrong? That's my podcast. Oh, oh! So the podcast is where you was where you talk about yeah. T- but but you actually do teach language when okay. Yeah. So you're not like a world no. language Mm-mm. professor teaching people how to teach world languages. Okay, so you're teaching no because my 
you know, that's part of the thing. Like, you know, that's why I think the analogy of looking for our keys was perfect in this case, because it's kind of like, well, is it here? Is it there? What should I do? Oh, I'll go in this way. And so it was like, oh, well, I want to teach. And that was my end goal. I want to be in a classroom. I want to teach. I want to teach French. This is what I want to do. So I did my master's and my PhD in literature. Mm -hmm. I did a minor for both of them in pedagogy with second language acquisition, but that's what I did. So right now, um, if I were to be able to teach any of those classes, it would be like as a secondary professor or not the full-time tenure right. track, whatever gotcha. on those. Gotcha. Um, okay. But I do a lot of presentations with various associations on teaching languages and the podcast ah. is on that end. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. A little bit of a jack of all trade when it comes to teaching because like at a university like um, UAB, uh, University of Alabama at Birmingham, I was doing first, second semester, uh, some of the intermediate classes like intro to literature, but then I had the cross-listed graduate, um, undergraduate um, literature topics. So I had all of those. Um, so it kind of touches on everything. And then to throw a monkey wrench that right now, I am teaching third graders in an immersion school. Wow. That's, that's, that, that's a lateral move. Yes. Just a little. Just a little. I have a little bit of whiplash on that one. Yeah. I mean, talking to like a third grader, just trying to speak out loud and talking to a college kid who's really hung over. I imagine it's a similar process. There's, Let there's me use small words and turn the lights low. There you go. Those Venn diagrams cross. I'll read to you. Stay awake. Yeah. According to my college students, they don't drink and they don't party. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. That's That would have been my story, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I had one class, ironically, I had one class where they would, um, they would talk about the parties that they had gone to, like the weekend before, the night before, you know, before class started, they would be amongst themselves chatting, I'd be getting set up, getting ready. And I remember one time somebody was like, Shh, she's gonna hear. And one of them going, ah, oh, it's just Madame Hope. She doesn't care. She's French. <laughs> there you go. And I just kept, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm pulling everything in and I'm just keep setting it up. Like, don't react, don't react, don't react. And my innards are just completely cringing uh-huh. because they're talking about that drink that everybody had and whatever was thrown in there and the various drugs that potentially were dr- thrown in there. Uh-huh. I'm taking mental notes and going home and telling my then high school daughter, Whenever you go to college, if you go to a party, do not drink anything. You bring a bottle of water and you keep the top on it and you don't leave it with anybody. Smart. <laughs> oh. But yeah, oh. that's the only one where they ever fessed up to the whole partying and drinking. The rest yes. of them, they're always like, what did you do this weekend? I slept. Yeah. I uh-huh. sat in my room and read the Bible. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I rested my eyes. Mm-hmm. From yes. all the I watched, hard work I did. I watched French movies, is what I did. <laughs> yes. And listened to Edith Piaf, and that was it. Oh, I don't know who that is. She's, <gasps> she's saying, I. I <gasps> Edith oh, oh, how are you oh, going to oh, get oh. on me about the French washboards from Louisiana and not know Edith Piaf? No, no. My, my, my knowledge of French ends and starts with toast, kissing, Fries and okay. um, my toot toot. That's that's right. as far as I, I go. I don't do that often, but I'm gonna sing for you, and we're gonna see if you have it. Okay, cool. You ready? Yes. Okay. No, rien de rien. Oh. No, je ne regrette rien. Okay. Oh my gosh, yes. that was horrible. Yes. I dropped that note so bad. But I recognize it. It yes. sounds better than us singing in French. It makes you feel better. Yes. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, my husband says I can't carry a tune in a bucket, and we just heard that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I can't really even say much. Like, the only reason I know about Edith Piaf is my uh, my fiance's sister teaches French. Okay. Whenever we meet up with her, she'll always find a new French movie to show us. Well, uh, anytime you watch a World War II movie in the background, if it's in France, you're going to have one of Edith Piaf's songs. Always. Okay. In Saving Private Ryan, when they're in the little town, just kind of chilling, making bread, all of that, that's playing in the background. 
And Edith Piaf. Okay, well, I learned, see, I learned something today, boys and girls. All we right. both did. You both did. All right. So teach me something. Now we got to teach Sandrine something. We got to teach Sandrine something. Uh, I don't know. Listen to Tom Waits. Yes. Oh, there you go. That's my Tom Waits impression. Is that what he sings? It's pretty on it. Yeah, that that was him singing Don't Touch My Toot Toot. <laughs> don't mess with my toot toot. Okay, get it right. Now, he, he had his own version. Okay. Yes. Oh, don't mess with my toot toot. All right, Sandra. That was actually James Stewart. I'm sorry. <laughs> James Stewart doing Tom Waits. Yep, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, so, <laughs> so you've taught as a professor. You're now working with some elementary kids. Did you work in, in a high school or middle school? At some point, I did. <laughs> all right. So with all these different levels, have you found any any key to just getting students engaged like regardless of age or do you find you always have to specifically tailor it are there some things that you found always work especially for language i think of course with the with the french with the third graders i'm just a month into it and it's immersion so i'm having to teach math and science while i'm speaking french <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah i've had that nightmare yeah, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I told my son, um, who's 20, and I was like, yeah, they're wanting me to teach math and science. And he just laughed. And I said, it's third grade. And he said, okay, you can handle third grade. <laughs> Rain comes from clouds. It's true. <laughs> yes. Vaporization, liquidification. We're getting mm-hmm. there. Um, no, but I think the key to that is making it fun. Okay. They don't care how it works. And in most textbooks, that's where they start. I mean, I'm actually teaching one um, college class as I'm doing my third graders. And the textbook we have, I mean, it's starting and it's like it's got the greetings and then it goes to the alphabet. Right. And it's like three pages of grammar and one of activities that are grammar centered. And all my students are looking at it and they're like, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah. We did. Um, that's when I did the alphabet with the accents. And I was like kind of going, I was just reviewing it because it's in the book and going to use it and had to actually talk about it a little bit more. And one of my students goes, this is just chaos. This is mad chaos. <laughs> <laughs> How am I going to handle that? <laughs> yeah. And I just cracked up because yeah, he's right. I mean, to their, to them, it is chaos. And, does it matter that they really know? No, let's use it. Let's play with it where they get to see it. And then at some point when they're familiar with it, we can go, Hey, did you ever notice that? That's an accent. This does this. And they're going to be like, Oh, that's what that is. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I don't care about the rules. No. Like, no. They don't want to know the parts of the bike before they ride the bike. They want to get on there and they want to ride. Right. That's, that's a perfect analogy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Afterwards, and you go, okay, these are the pedals and this is, you know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's no one exactly wants to learn, it. like, mm-hmm. memorize just the colors and go and say, and say, like, the colors over and over again. Cause that, yeah. who does that? It's meaningless. Well, and textbooks, again, like, don't, don't get me on my soapbox, but, uh, they love to start with school supplies. Oh, God. And so, you know, they're having to learn the words for binder and notebook and book and table and computer and whatever. When do they ever, in a conversation, come back to that? Right. Never. No? Mm -hmm. You know, the school schedule. Like, oh, that's the first thing we did today, right? We just went over our schedules and we broke it down. Like, from 8 to 8.30, I do this. From 9 to 9.30, I do that. None of us ever do that, but no. textbooks keep going because, oh, that's the only way to teach subjects. Like, no, we can no. get around to that in the conversation. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's one of the keys. I mean, there's actually two keys. That's the first key, make it fun. The mm-hmm. second key, and that's one that me and my co-host on my podcast, um, where, I mean, that's a hill we will die on probably, is to let students be free to make mistakes yes because they are terrified of making a mistake it has to be absolutely right and we tell them like we don't care like did you get your thought across yeah was that how was that um and you get a lot more results from that and you should see their eyes when i tell them i said okay you have this project 
and you're going to do it. But your proficiency level right now, you're a novice. I said, so what can a novice do? You know, here are the descriptors. We've looked at them. Here is what can do. I said, does it say anything about perfection? No. And I tell them, I expect to see mistakes. If I do not see one mistake, I'm going to be upset and I'm yeah. going to call you out on it. Right. And you're you cheating see then. their eyes because they're like, what the crap? You're, you weren't meant to make mistakes. You're expecting mistakes. And I'm like, yes, because you're right. If you didn't make a mistake, it tells me you cheated because you went somewhere else to find the answer. Right. And maybe it was Google Translate, which is getting better and better, mm -hmm. but I can still spot it a mile away. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. of the way it works, the way it's doing that. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling them, I'm like, I don't want Google's mistakes. I want yours. There you go. There you because go. it's normal. Like when you were five years old, were you able to make a perfect sentence no. that was coherent, that made sense? No. Can French people spell to save their lives? The new generation? No. Uh, uh, well, I mean... The people who created French also couldn't spell, as you can tell from all the pronunciation. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's gotten better. Have you it, ever looked at old French? It was it, even worse. It kills me. Too. My fiance and I do a lot of crossword puzzles. Mm -hmm. and Nerds. She, she, Nerds. Yeah. Yes. And she speaks French. <laughs> um, and so, like, we'll hit a French word and I'll get, like, the first, like, three letters. And I'm like, I don't know how this ends. This yeah. I assume there's an X somewhere. Uh, that's what I was going to assume. It's got to end with an X or an S. An X or an S, maybe a D, maybe an N. You yes. know, the thing is, though, you combine the letters and you get specific sounds. So everybody just makes so much fun of it. But I, I don't even know where that book is. But that's the way I learned to read. My mom taught me to read. We have that book. And you have the combination of the letters and the sound that they make. Mm -hmm. And okay. for one sound, you might have several combinations. But at least it's consistent. Let's talk yeah. about English, guys. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, that's horrible. No yes. one here is going to defend the English language. Okay. Did, did you? We don't speak I... it because it's easy. We speak it because the people who created it conquered the world on accident. <laughs> I was going to say. Did you read what I read? But hold on. Hey, which which one of those is it? Yeah. Did, did you yeah. did you read what I read? <laughs> well, there is a video, and I pull it out every once in a while when my students start complaining about French and um. And it's about the letters. So it starts with uh, with the letter A and the various sounds that you can have. Oh, yes. If, if English were a phonetic language. Yes. I know that video. And, you know, you start the first time because you have the, the subtext underneath it. And the first time I watched it, I was halfway paying attention. And then I was like, wait, I missed something. I don't understand what he's talking about. So I went back to the beginning and realized, oh, no, I was right on. It's just you have to start reading because it makes no sense. Right. I'm going to yeah. link that in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Neely, I have two problems. What are those? I really love the show on professional development, and I have a big blank spot on my chest where my shirt is. First of all, the first one doesn't sound like a problem. I mean, it's so much love, I can't contain it. And you also have, what, a blank spot on your chest? Yeah, where you my never, shirt is. You, you never grew chest hair? Obviously not. Oh, I know what you should do. You should go to this link in the show notes and get an Unprofessional Development t-shirt. Yes, that sounds like exactly what I needed for this premise. So, boys and girls, we have t-shirts. We have magnets. We yes. have buttons. Show your unprofessional love. That way you'll get to know who your fellow unprofessionals are when you're walking down the hallway and go, Oh, you listen to that too? Be an unprofessional representative. So you so you mentioned um, having a podcast, and we've alluded to it, and you've got your podcast, Hope. So how has being a podcaster and talking to your podcast host, do you guys have guests or is it just the two of you all the time? Mostly it's the two of us. Every once in a while, we'll have a guest. Okay. Um, so we don't do it regularly just because it's a little bit harder to schedule. Mm -hmm. And then we, one thing we found, and it's not all of our guests, but a big majority of it, because our, our, you know, our, our show is called Step Into Mondays and it's where the podcast that bridges theory to the practice. Right. Mm -hmm. So we talk about theory, like, you know, this is what you want to do. You want to do backward design. What is backward design? And then we're like, all right, let's put it in practice. Let's show you what it is because mm -hmm. the intent is not just 
you, like you go to a conference, right? You go to a conference and people say, oh, I do this in my classroom and, you know, here it is what it is. And you're like, this is great. Now, how do I apply that in my own classroom? What is right. step A to Z so I can get there? Yeah. And you never have that. That's always frustrated me to mm -hmm. no end. So then with Krista, we would talk because at the time we both lived in Alabama. So we would ride to those conferences together. So in the car, we would talk and break it down. That's where I was like, let's do it in a podcast. And then we can share with the world at large to hear our mm -hmm. brains at work. Um, so that's kind of the idea. So we're breaking it down. But a lot of the guests that we have, they stay with the theory and they have a hard time bridging to the practice and mm -hmm. illustrating it. The only exception to that one is Bill Van Patten because he's absolutely fabulous. And anybody who teaches languages should know Bill. And if you don't, go find him. He calls himself the diva of language education, and he is colorful and fabulous and the wealth of knowledge. He's done so much research. But in the two recordings that we've done with him, every time he's given us actual like, oh, yeah, you would do this, and then it happens this way, and there is this, and there is that. So yeah. with that, and it sounds like you've kind of, you kind of like alluded to already again, how... Has that grown you as a teacher and how has podcasting make you better as a teacher? Because I know there's teachers listening here and mm -hmm. there's, there are a million teacher podcasts, but, but I think there could always be more. And I think that there's really like benefits. Some of us people are listening think, should I start a podcast? Maybe you should, you know, go for it. Anyway, go ahead. I think on multiple levels, one of them as a podcaster, in order to do the podcasting world justice, I have to know about other podcasts. So mm -hmm. I listen to a lot of them mm -hmm. and I listen across the board, um, you know, on teaching because I listen to you guys. I've listened to, you know, and not necessarily on language teaching because you guys don't do language teaching. Right. Um, to kind of get IDs and then I hear something and maybe I have one of them is on math and I'll be like, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that concept could be applied to languages. Mm -hmm. So it helps me on that end because I'm able to pull ideas from other places. Um, and that's the listener side. But by having that, it helps me in the producing of it because then not only do I have more ideas to share at large, but it also helps me process through the thoughts. And maybe put some principles in place that I've just thought about beforehand. And then in my classroom, when I do something, I, I stop sometimes and think, and I'm like, wait, we're talking about that in the podcast. Am I doing it the way I preached we need to do it? Or am I doing it the other way? Right. And then it kind of stops me and goes, hmm, okay, I need to review that because I know we just talked about it. I need to be doing it that way. Yeah. So on various elements, I think it does make me a better teacher. Yeah. And I think um, you touched on the parallels between math and world languages. There's mm -hmm. tons of them. I, I talk to my kids all the time. Like this really is just a language. Like the, yeah. when when you see certain symbols and see certain things, it's just mm -hmm. the way. It was just a math person's way of describing what they wanted the numbers to do. And so it's you know the whole idea of like an exponent or parentheses yeah. or a square root. It's like, well, that, what does that mean? It just means that I want this to equal that mm -hmm. or to do this with that. And there's so much of um, language yeah. in math. And I, I've always thought people who were good or maybe not good, but pretty strong and who get math were good mm -hmm. at puzzles. Yes. Yeah. And I think if you're good at puzzles, at that point, you're good at language because yeah. language, you're constantly putting two and two together. Yeah. Recognizing patterns, I think, mm -hmm. is a, is the common element that's in all of yeah. those and seeing. Okay. Because a lot of grammar, grammar is, you know, even though there's all these mm -hmm. weird rules sometimes and exceptions, but so much of grammar is just patterns or, or conjugating verbs is just, is just a pattern. And if you can kind yeah. of see patterns in in math as well then yep. all of a sudden you're like oh da 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 and and you're able to like find the shortcuts because you recognize the patterns and, yeah that, i think that's why uh you know all the studies show that if kids study music their math grades just go up like mm -hmm. even if they don't like specifically focus on the mathematical components of music like mm -hmm. just being able to identify those patterns and things like yeah. that and yeah. I, I always think of like um you know it renaissance england you know when shakespeare was going to school there were only three subjects in school it was math english 
and then logic, uh, okay. which was combining math and English into like, okay, if, if this, then that, and if this and that, then the other thing. And, and those sort of, uh, logical mm-hmm. sequences. Yeah. We need to bring that back. <laughs> it would be nice. <laughs> need a little bit more logic in the world. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if the American school system is the best place to go to for logic. Yes. Um, yeah. Or critical thinking. <laughs> right. I, I'm I, Okay, this is totally off topic of what we want going to talk about, but I'm very curious. So you grew up in, in France, right? You grew up with the French yep. school system. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going through the French school system and now seeing the American school system, what do you think is America's like biggest pros and biggest cons? Okay. I think the pros is the freedom that it gives students. When you get to middle school, high school, you can kind of, you can pick your classes, right? Mm-hmm. You can say, Oh, I'm interested in music. I'm going to do a little bit more of music or, Oh, I want to do, you know, um, theater or whatever. So you, you get that extra that goes with it where French schools are very like, we, Pretty straightforward. Whatever you're studying, you're studying. We don't have time for the fun stuff. That said, I mean, when I was in middle school, we did have music classes twice a week. Um, in my middle school, we had a woodshop class twice a week. So mm-hmm. I can saw and I can, you know, mostly straightly, you know, hit a nail and uh, put it yeah. into something and put some stuff together, um, which are some skills that have been useful for me my whole my whole life um when i was in elementary school one of the things we did because we didn't have pe every day that was kind of a thing every once in a while the teachers would take us out in the courtyard and say okay we're doing pe here's what we're doing i never knew when that was happening there might have been a rhythm or a pattern i don't know but that was not a daily thing i never knew but my first grade year uh in the winter we went ice skating Mm. Cool. A few times, learned how to ice skate. And then when um, I changed school and I was in fifth grade, our winter thing was we went skiing because I lived in the Alps. So that kind of made sense. That's awesome. So we had that. Yeah. Yeah. In the spring, every year, we went to the pool. They took us to the pool so we would learn how to swim. Wow. That was a school-funded thing. My parents never had to shell a penny for it. They loaded up on the on the school buses, and they took us, and we learned how to swim. And then we even had little cards or little levels. We knew what levels there were, and so every year we came back, like, where, what level were you at? And then they would move us to the next one, and if we didn't graduate that level, then the next year we stayed in the same level and redid it um, so we could swim. You know, and the various little thing. So that was, that was good. And I think the American system is more of that. How, is that common? Like, was, did you, do you think mm-hmm. other French schools yeah. had, had swimming pools as well? It wasn't mm-hmm. just yours? Oh, it wasn't our swimming pool. We went to the, the public pool. Okay. The okay. city pool that we had. That's where they would take us. But yeah, cause my, my cousins lived in a different town and they did the same, same thing with the pool. The swimming is an abs, yes. Um, I can't even the, imagine the, the insurance and the waivers that if like you tried to like in America, take a bunch of kids to a pool or go skiing. We had a pool in my, in, I went to two different high schools. We had a pool in both high schools. Wow. Ooh, and we, we had, we had, um, swim teams, you know, as well. They were, you know, they were part of the, they were part of the high school. Now I don't remember. We didn't go skiing though, but, um, but yeah. But no, we had um, we had um, we had a pool and took we took swimming class. And swimming, you I mean skiing, you need mountains. Yeah, you need snow. Yes, you know that's and plus living in the in the in the Alps. Um, I don't know, you know, in the more flatter areas, what they would do, uh, or in Paris because they don't have mountains. I think um, in Paris they just teach pickpocketing. I think that's <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and rioting. And yeah. smoking, <laughs> rioting. Wow, that, that's that's a school subject. And go screaming down at football, and, and not go playing. Protest. That's that should be. Uh, we don't even need to be taught that in school. That comes in our blood. Right, we'll not playing football, just everything. screaming at footballers. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. And how to? Well, I don't know. Anyway, I, we don't want to go into eight million French stereotypes here, do we? We'll, we'll, we'll leave that alone. 
Okay. Are there a lot of French stereotypes? Well, maybe? I mean, Sandrine is wearing a beret and smoking, and and she's wearing and miming. Whenever you hear her I'm not talking, she's she's Don't definitely miming. She's wearing a shirt with white and black stripes. I mean, they give them to you. <laughs> Everyone has one there. We're born with it. Yes. <laughs> you guys are born naked. We're born with the striped yes. shirt. Yes. And yes. the beret. Yes. We are born and, naked, but we do get our first gun when the moment we're born. So oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that is a nice true. thing about being that an is, American. That is, that is nice. It yeah. Is nice. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. When I came to the U.S., that was my, my impression that everybody slept with a gun under their pillow and oh had my. a lawyer on retainer. Yes. And we all have cowboy hats. Only in 60%. But <laughs> <laughs> ah. we don't have cowboy hats. We, we either have cowboy hats or we live in New York City. Those are pretty much your options, I think, in America. <laughs> <laughs> Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to listen to Lesson Impossible, a podcast exploring educational innovation. Each episode, your host, Aviva Levin, interviews a new special agent or resource specialist who shares their unique field of expertise, such as teaching through gamification or how to avoid teacher burnout. You can find Lesson Impossible on all major podcasting platforms or at LessonImpossible.com. Give me kind of like an example. What's something that our guys that are listening to this podcast, you can say, okay, here's a practice that whether you teach world languages, whether you teach math, whatever, here's something that you can do that I think is a nice little um, snippet of, of a little, I don't know. A, a teaching practice that you find you commonly come back to and share with other teachers? I think one that I come back to is um, backward design. Mm-hmm. And it's been, especially since COVID hit, I've heard variations of it in a lot of places. I've come back to, oh, look at that backward design. Yeah, it's been around for 30 years. But basically starting with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? Right. What is your end goal? What do you want your kids to be able to do with that? So you're pulling out a map and you're going to teach them a map. Great. Why? What is going to be your assessment? And a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's on his head. You're starting with the assessment. Well, no. If I'm planning a trip to New York City, I need to know how I'm going to get there, right? And I need right. to know that New York City is my final destination. Otherwise, what am I going to do? Just hop on a bus and maybe I'm going to end up in California. And I'm going to be like, well, crap, that doesn't look like New York city. Um, so that's, that's one of the practices I think, um, in word language that's very much pushed and, and encouraged. But I think, um, any topic, any subject needs to have it really pretty much in life. We can apply that too. Cause I've used backward design a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part is though, I'm sure it comes and goes like everything in education has, has ebbs and flows. Now there are people who are anti-backwards design with the whole, whatever the kids, wherever the kids want to go with whatever they want to learn, then mm-hmm. we'll just go that direction. And I think there's value in that to some degree, but yeah. I think having, but I think can, if you can find that balance, okay, we, it's okay to get a little bit off this road because they're curious about this and we want to find this stuff out. But then how can we kind of like, without losing that energy, guide them a little bit back towards where we want to go so that we can get to. Because there are things that have inherent value that we want the kids to, to walk out of our, our class at the end of the year with this skill or this this knowledge of this concept or, or whatever, whatever it but is. But I think you can still apply backward design to that. Because, I mean, with me with language learning, I want my students, when they come out of a college class first semester, I want them to be able to find a place to eat, mm-hmm. figure out what they want on their menu, be able to ask for direction, you know, find a place to sleep, and just be able to navigate in those basic things. Right? Right. We can get there in many different ways. Maybe it is talking about the soccer game last night 
or maybe it is talking about current events. I mean, their level for the conversation is not going to be that high, mm -hmm. but those elements are going to walk in there right. because you're engaging them, you're bringing it to them. And um, that's something I've been wanting to try, but right now I haven't gotten there, but with Van Patten is talking about it. A lot of his classes, he'll walk in and say, what do you think is the perfect age to get married? What do you think is the perfect age for, I don't know, having a first child? What age do most people graduate? And from there kind of goes, and that brings conversations right. on the topic, like the why. And so they get engaged, and, and you know you know you're starting with that, so you mm -hmm. can always plan a little bit, but you don't really know which way it's going to take you. So from there, so you're not exactly planning. It's kind of where they want to go, but you have a end goal still in mind with what they're going to have to do. I like that because I like if you want to make a point or make an argument or defend your opinion, mm -hmm. your desire to find the vocabulary and to, and to express that is a whole lot better than when it's like, we're just going to turn and talk to our neighbor and say, how many brothers do you have? How many sisters right. do you have? How old yeah. are you? What color are your shoes? Like, like, mm -hmm. like, why am I asking you what color are your shoes? I can see what Where color your shoes are. Where is the library? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite is, um, you're starting and you're having to do those activities and it's like, where are you from? I'm from Canada. Am I? No, I'm not. <laughs> like, you know, you're having to have all of those specific answers. Um, and recently, I was watching, talking about stereotypes, the show Emily in Paris. I don't know if you've watched it, but mm -hmm. if you want to see stereotypes, that go for it. I mean, my <laughs> eyes roll in my head so much, I had to stop watching it because they were <laughs> going to be glued there forever. But she goes to an, a French lesson, and um, there's a couple of episodes where she does. And the first one, the teacher goes, j'aime le pain. And the whole class repeats, j'aime le pain. J'aime le vin. J'aime le vin. And that's the whole way the class is going. Like, when are we ever repeating something that somebody else says? Uh, that's just pure memorization. It's not helping anything. Je m'appelle Guillaume. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. all I know from, like, I took six, 12 weeks of, um, of French. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, but that's the thing. It's based on the memorization. And then, in that example, it's not even like they were holding pictures or the actual item to make the connection. So it could be anything that they're saying, yeah. right? It's just repetition and yeah. that's it. There is no meaning no. to that. It's like If it was a, a French cult, that would be a good way to do it. So that's, <laughs> that's how you could do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> No, mimes and tracks don't laugh. look that Did great. you hear it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Scarlett. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. He's here all week. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> Sandrine, you know, we always appreciate funny stories from inside the classroom, and, and we know how many different types of classrooms you've been around, so we always want some funny stories in the world of education. So when you're you're out at a party and someone finds out you're a teacher and they're like, "What's that like?" and you tell them a story that just cracks everyone up. What what sort of story do you go to? You know, that was the hardest question for me. And every time I've listened, you shut. I've pondered on that one for a long time because the first time I listened, I was like, "That's an interesting question. What would I say?" And I was just blank. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I think it's just. In college, I see my students, I mean, currently, the ones that I have that I see physically, I see them twice a week for an hour and 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So we don't have time to get into trouble. And do <laughs> <laughs> but I do have one story that involves the language, and I think that one gets pretty funny in the end. Um, and I might have others that I've forgotten or have not thought about it. Have to, maybe, maybe with a drink, I think of more. There you go. But, um, so... That's when I was at the University of Alabama. We always did, as a midterm, an oral conversation. And it was one of our graduate teaching assistants who would come or 
one of the instructors mm -hmm. in French. That would be our guest. And the setup was you're at a party, you're meeting this person, you're going to ask them a question. We don't want a, a third degree, uh, you know, interrogation. You're having a conversation, you're asking them a question, this and that. So I have this, this one who comes and she's, she's like me. She's a little bit older. She's married. She just had a baby. So that semester she's actually on a uh, maternity leave, but she comes just for that. And so the student is asking her question and then he looks at her and he says, vous avez un amant. And we're both looking at him. And so for the non-French speakers, amant is the word for lover. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, mm. like, so look at him. I'm like, well, and you know, all of that is happening in French, the whole thing. And we're motioning, well, she's married. She has two children. And he asks her again. And she's looking at her. And I'm like, no, I mean, she's she's married. She's got two children. I'm like, okay, maybe ask something else. This is getting embarrassing. I don't know where you're going with that one. <laughs> asking, I know she's good looking. But still, why are you asking her if she has a lover? Yes. So he keeps going and eventually circles back. Because I was really, really, it was very important for him. And he finally, he says it again. He said, Est-ce que vous avez un animal? Do you have a pet? Ah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, yeah. So we, and she and I, at that point, we looked at each other and laughed. I have never <laughs> laughed so hard mm. in a classroom. And nice. she laughed and the poor student is confused as everything. <laughs> right. And she answers him and we keep going because it's not the end. And finally we get to the end. And so in English, I tell him and I said, by the way, you asked her if she had a lover and sent him on his way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and oh. it's a bit red. And I mean, everybody in the class was wondering, what are they cackling about? Because relief, like, okay, yes. he's, he doesn't have an agenda. There's nothing happening there. Yes. yes. But yeah. That reminds me of, um, uh, so when I, when I went to middle school, we took, um, was in, yeah, in sixth grade, they gave you, um, 12 weeks of Latin, 12 weeks of Spanish mm -hmm. and 12 weeks of French. And then you would like decide yeah. what you wanted to take after that. Wow. And Quite so, the boot camp. What's that? Mm -hmm. Quite the boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. So I can say, Quomodo Wiscom Hodier. Um, and I can say quidest nomen tuum that that that's the Latin that I know. Oh, quis custodiat ipsos custodis. That's oh, yeah, what Alan Moore taught me. Magistra, salvete, salvete discipuli. But anyway, um, so carpe diem. Seize the diem. <laughs> yes. So this girl, she's like, I saw this French word because we were told we know we we know we see French words. Just with mm -hmm. the, with the accents and kind of all this kind of stuff. She goes, I saw this French word and I, I don't know, um, what it means in English. Can you tell me what it means in English? And she's like, well, what did it say in French? And she's like, um, whores in drawers. It was hors d'oeuvres. Girl. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I did. I did once have a friend. Uh, I mean, some places of French does have horse and drawers. I'm sure. But, um, <laughs> getting back to the stereotypes, I'm sure you can find I some. Did there. once have a friend try to uh, say the word rendezvous, and oh. I was like, "You mean rendezvous? rendezvous. Nice. <laughs> That's good stuff." They took a uh, try. They took right. a try. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have some of those in French class sometimes. I need to make a list of all the ones that have happened. Oh, yes. But in English, I mean, we made Worcestershire sauce, which I still, I don't yes. know how to, how I'm saying it. I'm saying it wrong. Yes. But I don't know how to fix it. No, I, no, that's you know what? I have a hard time with basic words. It took me 10 years to learn how to say Connecticut. <laughs> yes, I bet. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not even going to that's, that other that's one. That's a tough one. That is a tough There's one. still some, I'm sure. I mean, I fumbled on because I still can't say them. Yeah, it's better than we pronounce French. That's true. That's I true. can guarantee that. Well, I've had more years of experience with it. Yes, yes. Alrighty. I don't think it would make a difference for me. 
<laughs> it probably would. It probably would. Start listening to a lot of French. You less spree, do less calier. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know what that is. I don't know, but my ears are bleeding. <laughs> yes. 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 And then I probably, I don't know if I've said on here before, I have my fake French. I, you know, I'll think a kid will like, tell me they're taking French. I'll be like, can you tie my shoes? And they'll be like, like, what? I'm like, yes. And I said, in German, it's all feet are the same. (laughs) Thank you. I'll be here all week again. All right. (laughs) Well, boys and girls, we have um, come to the end of the the wonderful podcast here. Thank you so much, Sandrine. I know you're going to get out and watch um, Roll Tide, right? Who, Who are they playing today? Do you know? Florida. Oh, that's a big one, right? Yeah, and I don't know if you heard it, but at one point I kind of had a look because my husband is next to me, and I heard him, you know, oh, and I was a flight. I was like, oh no, <laughs> probably have that in the background somewhere. No, I, I didn't hear it, but that's oh, okay. You're missing the game for us. We feel honored. Yeah, I know, right? Yes. That's, well, that's so, guys. It's the Step Into Mondays podcast. Whether you um, or a world language teacher or not, you can still get something out of it. So we appreciate you guys um, doing that. And is there anything else? You don't have a book, do you, Sandrine, yet? No? No, no. I'm working on a few things, but right now I am tapped out. So okay. the only thing I'm doing, I'm a potter. So you can oh. find me on Etsy. Oh, Friends cool. Friends Pottery. Yeah. Uh, I don't have much on there, but um, I need to add stuff. But okay. um, book-wise, now working on it, working on some creative stories for the beginner to that would go along with another podcast. But that's gonna be a while because <laughs> I, you know I get home. I mean, y'all teach K through twelve. You get yeah, it. You third get, third you get graders will, will, will like, suck the energy right name? out of you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. All right. Well, thank you again. And as we always say at the end, guys, stay unprofessional. Thank you so much, Sandy. That was, that was fun. <laughs>